I'm Camille. I'm Anita. And, and we're, we're the Sisters. Oh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Wait, okay. you completely... There, you're cutting out, though. That's the problem. Oh. <laughs> so it jumped back okay. and forth for audio. Oops. Yep. Oh, well. Okay, stop again and start again. Can you do that? Nah, it's fine. We're good. <laughs> okay. Um... Okay, so I'm reading this book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, and that's for book club. We're meeting on the last Tuesday of the month um, here in Marinette. And I came across this quote, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to call Anita. This is such a profound quote. Um, I need to see her opinion on it. So Anita's not listened to this book thus far. Nope. I'm going to give I her the it. quote. I was tempted to tap on the book uh, when you sent it to me, but I did not. I waited. You do it. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. It's good. Fresh perspective. So I'll give you just the quote, and then I'll see what you have to say, and then I'll give you my, like, further context of where the quote kind of came from or whatever. Of, of what you take, what you what you took from the book? Yeah, yeah. Came. Yep, yep. Like, further why it's there. Okay, so the quote is, Helping someone else solve their own problems is love so like when you love someone that the most that's really truly helping them solve their own problems right i mean and if you really think about it it can all even go back to that famous quote is if you you uh, give a man a fish you feed him for a day you teach a man to fish you feed him for a lifetime so i think that really relates because that man had a problem and he didn't know how to fix it his problem was not knowing how to get food or the right food problem. That's a problem that you will die if you do not fix it. That's a more severe one. But um, at the same time, if you teach him, you save him. You can, you know, he goes on from there and he can take and control his own future and learn from it and grow with it and thrive instead of needing other people all the time. I think a lot of times I even send my kids off to do their own problem solving when a lot of parents look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> and I was like, children need to learn now to problem solve, you know, they need yeah. to learn now how to take care of the little things and figure out on their own. So when the big things start to come, they've already practiced, you know, I will watch them try to problem solve and it probably isn't exactly how I would do it. And, it, and they're going to have a lot of questions a lot of the way, but that's the process of learning. And I think a lot of people um, that when they come to you and they want you to fix their problems, that isn't helping them. That is only setting up for failure. And if you don't want someone to succeed in life, then you don't truly have a natural love for that person. Anyone you love, as soon as they start to succeed, you should feel warm inside and excited or motivated. Some people get jealous. To me, look at that as more maybe motivation to improve things that you have been lacking in, you know, if you can twist it that way. So I think it's pure love if you can help someone smooth out their own path when it's bumpy but they have to do the work themselves but how do you do that too that's the trick oh that's the problem and they mm -hmm. um kind of used on an example of honesty as a method of helping someone solve their own problems mm -hmm. and how kind of like pointing something out to someone 
can, though can be like brash or rude or insensitive or whatever, uh, can actually be the biggest act of love because it's to help them solve, get through their own, you know, problem or whatever. I thought that was just so interesting. I guess I had never thought about it like that. And I always like, you know, I'd heard the saying, uh, you know, give a man a fish, feed him for one day, teach a man to fish, you feed him for life or whatever. And I always associated that with just associating uh, education and, you know, learning things for yourself to be better. Uh, I've never uh-huh. actually, like associated that with uh, loving someone, that teacher sharing that information with someone uh, was an act of love, which is interesting. I'm just thinking about it in reflection of when you're teaching someone something, whether you're in the form of an educator or a trainer or any sort of leader, any sort of leadership position, um, what an act of care that, like love that is for other people and, you know, caring, you know, you see it in so all professions. Uh, It's just interesting to see that that's the main driver or, you know, a driving force or can be for some people. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, as they individualize with their profession and and they become more experienced, they want to help people prevent mistakes that maybe they've made. Um, And it's more of telling or retelling their story and their ups and downs and helping that next person be guided so they don't make the same wrong decisions or, or, you know, not enough decision making and that kind of stuff. So you see a lot of leadership roles and people leading later on into their career and doing that. And to me, that's someone who loved what they did and was inspired by what they did, that there's just a passion that's there, still there for it. And, and by, you know, educating at different levels, that is love. Same for teachers. A lot of the teachers at whatever level they started after they've been there for a long time and they continue, you see teachers doing extracurricular things in churches or groups and a teacher just is that role model that continues to thrive throughout the day and give 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 and that's a form of love um some people feed people through love some people give gifts some people spend time love is given in different ways but a lot of times if someone comes to you it doesn't mean that you guys have different opinions but they you might have different priorities different values is trying to fix a problem and you would fix the problem with something of a higher priority like well if you kept your car clean it wouldn't be embarrassing and you wouldn't feel uncomfortable picking up your friends and this person's having a bigger issue that they're trying to and you're pecking on something else individualized so a lot of times get the detail that person has to the highest priority for them that will get them to take action so you know when people call and you know need to lean on a shoulder don't try to fix anything right Mm -hmm. away don't fix they just need to talk right Mm -hmm. and then let them start to formulate the right questions to be asking you and then if you're relating and, and directing questions back now you've got them starting to prioritize the importance of the situation and how to handle it. So it's a lot of open-ended questions and not problem-solving and fixing. Like, I love my husband dearly, but 
we have been in a big project right now. And anytime I come to him with something where I just need to express and just kind of get it out, I'm a gal, I got to get it out sometimes. He immediately wants to fix it. And he's tro- he's come up with three s- resolution ideas and he's trying to fix it. And he also, he also wants to call someone and, te- and fix it. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is fixing it. I just got to talk it out. I'm fine. You know what I mean? There's nothing. I can fix things myself. I just need to bounce it off of you, get it out, move on. That kind of a thing. Right. Yeah, no, I think that so that love breeds energy and passion. They all kind of sit on a similar line. So, but because you can still be in love with a person but not be actively loving on them because that energy is gone from, you know, whatever whatever it may be. Um and even when relationships or interest in your career path, that love and energy and passion, they all kind of have to be moving in this, this same direction. And I think they can get stagnant. Um, but again, it comes down to like listening to what your inner values would be at that time, at that present time. And I think that's the tricky part for me is that your values shift over time. So it's hard. Like sometimes you just have to reassess what is more important to me, this or that this or that I do like litmus checks to like because at some point my values shift over time but you don't ever feel them shift but if you go and reassess to say like what is more important to me security or freedom and then just ask yourself that like you'll know which one feels more appealing to you and it'll be different from someone else and then prioritizing once you know what's important to you currently then you can start to prioritize how to then you can start to fix once you know what's the really important things that are going to move the needle the most for you emotionally. Right. But the key to everything rounding back to the original quote is helping someone figure that out with each situation or helping them learn to do it all on their own. But most of the time, I don't think you're ever figuring everything out on your own. You need to bounce off different perspectives. You need to have an aha moment sometimes and you just need people to talk to we're human beings we we're relatable human beings that need to socialize um but going back to that is is not trying to fix the immediate thing it's teaching the person how to handle and problem solve their way through it so they're set up for success tomorrow or they're set up for success when it goes to their love relationship, when it, they learned a lesson at work and commitment and somehow that relates through and now they can, they have been inspired to put it through to their, their private love life. There's so many different ways to grow when you're on it, not expecting it um, in, in situations that can be relatable. You know, a lot of people have work issues and they talk about them as problems. But to me, there are situations that should be learning so you don't do it again and you grow from it and, you know, then you learn what you like and what you don't like and you move on. A lot of people hate their careers, but they live, they work there for 25 years. Like, I don't get it, (laughs) you know, but it's like, it's a choice you're making, you know, they know they must be aware that that's where they want them to be. And even though they're complaining about it, but how are you in your daily life? If you're complaining about your career or whatever subject, if it's hard on you, what's it do to the body over 25 years? Is it worth it? You know? 
Absolutely. I completely agree. It's a very interesting um, thing that a lot of people experience. Uh, how they It's interesting that you brought that up in the book. They were talking about how rejection, um, the people that really can't take personal accountability for their own problems, people that just blame other people for their problems. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like it's different from like having a problem like I'm peanut intolerant and I'm going to a peanut party, like, or that's a bad example, but, like, I'm gonna take care of my own problem. Bringing my food as a bodybuilder to Thanksgiving dinner is me solving my own problems Uh versus going there and complaining or whatever. So taking responsibility over your problems versus blaming someone else is, it was interesting how I tied it in between rejecting by accepting one value, you're also rejecting another. Or by not accepting a value, you're rejecting it. So kind of like by not saying no, it's a no kind of thing. Uh-huh. So like if you don't accept the rejection willingly that comes with your values, then that rejection is just going to kind of build until it leaves you with a right. feeling of entitlement. It was interesting and how you tied those two. I'm really struggling how to like verbally tie entitlement to rejection but they're really closely seated from how he explained it. I'm doing a terrible job. Right, and I again, have I haven't, and I haven't listened to the book or anything, oh, but a lot of times job. people want to have, they want to feel more entitled. So they will find their way around. Maybe they got second in the race, but it was a new pair of shoes. The laces weren't tight enough and, you know, I would have had it. Okay, now they've already set up all these other variables that it wasn't them who just didn't run or or they didn't run well or you know what you just lost you got beat out by someone they can't accept that rejection or that failure so they think of all these ulterior things they're not angry some are some are but some aren't but all these other things are like oh yeah that's why I would have won it so now they've got this entitlement where I would have won but yeah. I shouldn't have worn it you know it was the shoes in my shoelaces <laughs> so there's something with that where people when you're talking and they're telling the story and they're creating a list of the reasons why they didn't cram something down someone's throat and win that race or do something it's almost like they're building themselves up to to keep to keep I don't know that 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 self self-going and not feel rejected or not feel and have that entitlement and then at the same time it relates in different situations so you put that person in work they they never make a mistake at work it's always someone else's fault and now you can't figure out where the problems are because the person's pointing the finger all the time and always pointing blame when maybe they weren't getting their work done i worked with a girl who literally planned her entire wedding reception told me about it, encouraged me to do all of my personal stuff at work. But instead, I was like, well, if you have all this free time, why aren't you helping innovating the design department of this company, what you're getting paid to do? And instead, I launched different product, and I got to do so many different things through my career because while I worked, I worked on improving the position I was in and got joy from that instead of showing up, clocking in, and planning my wedding and taking a paycheck. Do you know what I mean? Like there's different people and you know, that person blamed everyone else. If something didn't get done, you know, I saw her yelling at a cutting staff one time. They weren't cutting fast enough. I was like, well, you showed up 20 minutes late and they're having lunch. Like, what do you want me to do? Blame, 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 blame. That 
turns over into different things. And to me is those people were trying to fill, they're trying to fill or trying to, with their personality, keep, keep a good momentum going. And they're not willing to just accept that, you know what, I lost. I just, I didn't do good at that. And I lost. You never hear those people usually taking that. But again, I don't know if that's veering from have having lessons they've learned have they been taught how to deal with them differently or accept you know that kind of a thing is it a personality type or is it do they not were they not taught how to deal with losing yeah it, handling rejection it is mm, like yeah. learning your lesson is handling rejection it's like handling criticism like did you use it to improve upon yourself then it's handle you know it's a lesson learned or it's a criticism accepted like it's not entitled to be untouchable or not have criticism it's accepting rejection is the opposite of entitlement or something i don't know that's great connection though so thank you this has been great this is a great connection i've connected a lot of dots in my brain of the ego and confidence and pride and rejection and lessons learned i feel like i'm rediscovering all these topics from a whole new perspective um or like kind well, of mind and i think mapping, a lot you know? of that can even be with the excuses be gone momentum you know if you're just gonna get rid of all the excuses and look at it straightforward it just is what it is you know what i mean like if you eliminate all the emotions attached to the situation going on and the problem at hand then it's just a problem at hand. It's almost like step out of the story, read the chapter, and then look at it from an outsider's perspective. Or step out, step out of the story, read the page. Leave your emotions at the door, see what's going on, and make a rash decision as someone who wasn't living the life. But you are. So, it makes it more clear later on when you're looking back and you're like, oh, should I did that? I don't know, because we do that. Even when we were confident decision-making, you look back and you're like, oh, maybe if I would have. But a lot of times, the minute I start second-guessing myself, because I made a decision a long time ago, I tell myself immediately, in the situation you were in, you did the best you could to make that decision. So don't look back. Decide and go. I would choose and go. I had something for my husband. I would say, decide and jump or something. Commit and go. But yeah, commit and go, commit and go. Commit and, and go. He would be like, like his commitment, commit and go reaction was more of like a gunfire on a, on a race. Like he thought you just had it. Duh. And I was, I'm more of a commit and go on your decision. Don't look back. Don't regret. Even if it didn't, it wasn't the outcome that you dreamed it to be. It led you on the path to get to the next thing that's getting to that dream. Don't look back, commit and go. And, and, but I still look back and I'm like, oh, did I do the right? I didn't. But then I tell myself, nope, no, you're, you're fine. Keep going. You're fine. It's hard now. It's going to be hard later. But what you see is hard to one person. It isn't to another. And it's just, it's emotions. Which is interesting because when you first brought that up, I am, I immediately thought of my previous entitlement to food. And, I think that that's a lot of value that I think a lot of people have um, not reorganized when they have problems adhering to a diet versus all of a sudden that, that you, that flip is switched and it's like, I will move mountains and adhere to this, this plan. 
And it seems like there's a commit and go that hasn't happened from some clients that does and others or from so has moments where it's on and where it's not. Definitely. It's that definitely. Commit, sometimes you, you need a what really shitty situation. To. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes you really need something really shitty to happen to you to make you finally commit and go. You don't want it to get to that part, but that happens a lot. I even see it in competitors, like newer competitors. It's harder for them to let go of all of the tastefully wonderful things that preservatives do to food these days, and they don't want to let go of that palate, right? So they are doing the Walden's Farms and all these multi-flavor things and trying to really trying to um, uh, put flavor, false flavor to help let them ease the pain as they move forward. And then you start to see people like us and we, you put some salsa and rice and ground beef and lemon. We're like, yeah, man, this is great. <laughs> we're okay with it. We're not, we like to play with the different flavors that are out there, but it's, it's, it's a different level. And then you see people just moving forward down the road that I was happy with this other type of food. I didn't need all that crap food. We still indulge in it. Um, you you and I openly indulge in, you know, whenever, whatever we want, but we know how to scale it back. It took time. It takes time, right? Oh, absolutely. And I I think, I mean, for me personally, like, I think there's moments where it feels like you're lying to yourself. Like, you recognize it at one point, because at some point, like, you're, we're we're humans, we all kind of, like, lie to ourselves a little bit, even if it's I don't know, like, having that commitment, sometimes I find myself, uh, like, I guess I'm trying to think about, like, my most recent food behavior and how I feel about it, and how I feel, what control I feel like I have over well, it. Well, okay, here, I know what word you're looking for, and it's justify. Yeah. We justify why we should eat like that, or eat the extra thing, and tell ourselves that, yeah, I'm fine, I can do it, I can continue to eat like this, or behave like this, because of said reason, right? Yeah. And then you can prolong it because you, it's, it's not as a higher priority that you want to fix sometimes, right? Yeah, it's definitely lower on my values right now, Mm -hmm. which is, it's just interesting. Like, I just think it's really important to, I often sift through your values. Like I've had to do it a lot lately just from moving and like that just is a process that helps me. And I guess. Maybe not everyone needs to do it so formally, but I benefit from formally trying to figure out what my values are because then it makes questions easier to answer. Like, absolutely. That's I mean, the where you're going Because if you yep. don't have like your pit balance points, if you don't know what you're building your re- justification off of, at least if you have it justified under your values, at least you can defend it and then you have no regrets. Like, I could see where regrets could happen if you didn't know what your values were and you made a decision based off of that uh-huh. right i think Absolutely. people say they i think if you asked 100 people do you know what your values are 100 percent would say yes and i think five percent would have them actually written down maybe I'm yeah i don't think many would have it written down you're right do you but like use? if you were like what are your values like with me I would have to be like, well, I don't know how much time you got. A hundred percent. Not like a one sentence or one scripted thing. I think, what did we do one time where I had a one sentence thing? I don't know if that a mission was statement. my, that was my mission statement. Yep. So, um, 
but at the same time, like so many things are different, valued at different levels. I think another thing to remember is um, checking in with your partner. If your partner, you and your partner may have the same values, but they may reorganize yes. at different points of the time according to said person's responsibilities in the relationship or in the family or whatever, right? So a lot of times when you're still focusing on one and two core value and you are very relatable to your um, partner, but they flip a lot because of something, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Then you guys, you get... You, you're off, you get off and you're, you're stuck to the end plan and your partner's over here flipped values and you just think you're off the path because of just lack of communication or sometimes you don't even realize you've separated or, or stretched the path out, I guess you could say. Right. Cause it's um, values do just shift based on your circumstances and experiences. You realize that different things become important to you through different experiences or information um, i think another quick 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 thing i'll mm -hmm. just throw in is any parents out there do it with your kids um, mine are pretty young but and again their values when they're younger are going to be more like oh play with my toys or you know do stuff like that but it's still something very important to them and then you know that that's important to them so you can hold that at a higher accord because it's, you know, that kind of thing. So you understand them a little bit better and why they're acting the certain way they were, doing what they are, why is it so important to them. Um, that helps too. But those are stepping blocks. Even if it's nonsensical stuff and, and more of the child avenue, those are the stepping blocks to laying that foundation. So then when they start to put more relative thought and more inspiration and more um, philosophy into their thoughts and processes, now they're going to change out their sentence and it's going to be more inspiring. And your kid's going to walk up to you, you're going to be like, oh my God, it worked. Look at that. You know, and they're going to have something just inspiring, trying to go out and, and um, hold a value to. <laughs> That's true. That's cool. Well, maybe we'll have them on the podcast next and ask them what they value. Oh, we should. We'll, we won't even prompt them. I think we should spring it on them. I think so, too. <laughs> awesome. Do you have anything you want to add? I feel like this was this was good. I feel like this was... No, I think this was fun. I love this kind of impromptu stuff, so let's keep doing it. I think the more we put out there, um, there's something that you can pull from any conversation, and whether you're you're looking to have a nice conversation. I work from home with my kids a lot, so there's not a lot of deep, deep conversations to be had. So sometimes listening to people just chat it out is wonderful too. So um, I hope you guys follow along and we do more of these. Yeah, it was really interesting even how many things came up for me personally as I listen. I think that's what happens too when I listen to personal development books in general is like it something resonates with me personally and, uh -huh. you know, engages, kind of pulls me in a little bit deeper. Uh, well, so and I think that same thing happens with speeches or or things that you go to you hear something you attach to that and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god i just missed i missed five minutes of the speech yeah. right <laughs> the same thing happens for books and audiobooks you can listen to the same audiobook you're like oh, i don't remember that part because you were in la la land trying to solve a problem while you were you know totally. so that's all wonderful things to be able to take that adapt it and then apply it and then go in again and pick out something new find it you know and apply it so that's the cool thing that's yeah. why i like audiobooks even though because you miss a ton on the first sweep through a book but you get little nuggets and you can just so passively listen to it like while you're driving uh -huh. and so you can get good bits of it and i'll re-listen to a book like 
I think the five second rule, I listened like start to finish three times in a row. Like it was just powering my day. Like, <laughs> I yep. don't know. Right. Like, just cause I could, and every time or like the power of imagination, I would just listen to again and again and again because I would pick something. I would get a different layer every time I listened yep. to it. It was crazy. Or you would hear the thing that you remembered the last time. You'd be like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I got to do that again. I got to do that again. And right. you can apply it right when you, you know, and you know it works. So I think it's hard to remember, you know, how to problem solve even the small things. We all get caught up on the, the tidal wave. So the sooner we get out of our head and we the sooner we can look at it from a different perspective and just kind of let it flow out and figure itself out while you're figuring it out. That's the best way to, to move forward. Hopefully then you catch a lot of fish, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing this and hopefully we do this more. This was great. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye.